Today, we're beginning our se- our series where we're going to look back at the 2023 season, recap position by position, see how players did, talk about them. Tonight, we're doing running backs. I am Wyatt. I'm here with Jake. Stay tuned as we get into this. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. Jake, my guy, how are we doing? How did the divisional weekend treat you? Oh, it treated me really, really well. Made some uh, some good bets, some bad bets. One <laughs> one two hundred dollars on the slot machines. So you know what? All hey. things considered, we're gonna call it a good weekend. The games yeah. went pretty much exactly how I predicted them to, uh, and the ones that didn't were still at least fun to watch. Yeah, they did not go as all, at all. Like I said, if anyone well, follows my Twitter, you saw me say, if I had to bet on the spreads, this is how I'd bet. I went one for four. I did mention I'm not good at it, though. So I gave you myself did a caveat. caveat. <laughs> I did caveat that I'm not good at, at picking spreads. But, uh, okay, so we're talking about running backs from the 2023 season. A few notes before we actually get into these running backs. We're talking about half PPR. That's very important. We're going to be talking, listing them by points per game. And we're talking about Arby's 24 to 13 on this episode. I'm also going to give a quick mention to some players that were drafted in this range, but fell out of this with the finish. They did not perform the way we wanted them to. Let's get into it. RB24, we've actually got a tie between two players. We've got Zach Moss and DeAndre Swift with 11.2 points per game. Drafted in very different places. DeAndre Swift was RB28. Zach Moss was RB67. As we know, Zach Moss started off the season gangbusters taking over for Jonathan Taylor and did mix in for him a good bit uh, even after Jonathan Taylor came in. DeAndre Swift kind of took that role for the Eagles. Looked like he might be this massive league winner for a period of time, but then kind of slowed down as the season went along. Jake, thoughts on these two? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I noticed really, um, especially with Zach Moss, like you said, you know, it was really the injury that gave him the role. Um, it's not like he came into the year and was the the leading running back for this team. Um, they decided to put Jonathan Taylor on the IR to start the year. So Zach Moss got to come out and just really, you know, show that he still had some juice in the tank that I think 98% of us had thought wasn't going to be there so he was truly the surprise swift it wasn't too shocking to me that he won the role the usage earlier in the year like you said was super super promising but later on in the year as the defensive struggles were more and more pronounced they just weren't ahead as much they couldn't pound the rock the way that they wanted to really giving him you know the carries that he needed to to sustain that pace which is why he definitely tapered off so i'm i'm really shocked to see zach moss in this range not so much to see swift in this range because i've always been a huge deandre swift guy um i always said that you know running quarterbacks throwing to the running back it's a bit of a fallacy just be they don't do it because they don't have to but also most of them don't have good pass catching running backs and we saw with swift early in the year hertz was thrown to the running back at the highest rate that he has at any point in his career because he finally had a talented guy to do that so really not shocking for me to see swift in here at all i think it shocks everybody in the world except for maybe zach moss to see himself in the top 24 real quick where do you think deandre swift gets drafted next year I think he's probably still kind of in this range, maybe a little bit higher up into like the 16 through 18 range. Whereas we know the we know what the upside is. We know that he does have, you know, that weak winning upside to him any given week. It's really going to depend, I think, on how people feel about the Eagles going into next year. You know, they've already fired um, Sean Desai. So there's going to be a new defensive coordinator there. Um, they're talking about some turnover on the offensive side of the ball as well. So really just it's going to boil down to what people think of the team because we knew DeAndre Swift had the talent to be drafted in this range the entire time. It was just a matter of the opportunity. We know he's likely going to get that opportunity as of right now. 
So it's really going to just, I think, fall on where people feel about the Eagles. I agree with that given range. You know, I think after you get past the top 12 running backs looking forward to next year, you're going to start having that conversation of like, well, whose role do I trust? And exactly. I think DeAndre Swift has a role that you can probably trust more often than not. Moving on, we've got RB23 for the 2023 season was Austin Eckler with 11.4 points per game. Uh, drafted as RB2, quite the disappointment, really hurt play uh, fancy managers down the stretch of the season. Um, is he dust? Was it injuries? Can he help us next year? Yeah, I think it was mostly injuries and trying to come back too quickly for them, being that he was in a contract year um, and playing on a one year deal. Um, so I think, you know, early in the season, we saw it, you know, in the first six weeks of the year, he had five or four 20 point games like the Austin Eckler that we drafted was there early in the year. It's just things tapered off, um, especially with, you know, injuries to Justin Herbert. You know, you look at his numbers pre-injury, post-injury, like after his ribs got messed up, you know, we just saw a real downturn in his production as well. So I think Austin Eckler's still there. Um, he's still got kind of the same top-end speed that he's always had. He's never been right, a, burner. Never a burner. Yeah, and it's it's really the passing volume just kind of I don't want to say disappeared this year because it was still there. You know, he's still top ten in in routes run, still top ten in route participation, sixth in yards per reception amongst running backs, eighth in target share. So like Austin Eckler is still the same guy that we drafted him to be. The Chargers were just an extremely disappointing team. The run blocking was absolutely atrocious this year as well, which really hurts. You know, Austin Eckler, a guy who needs the run blocking to be good because his specialty comes in space. So if you give him the space, he's going to be productive. He's just never going to be a guy who's going to be able to barrel through the line like a freak. It'll be interesting to see where Austin Eckler is playing in 2024. I wouldn't surprise me if he signed a friendly contract to go back with the Chargers uh, and whoever takes up that team. Uh, here's where I want to mention some of the ADP fallouts. And guess what? We have five of them in a row that would go that went in this range. Cam Akers was RB22. Alexander Madison, RB21. J.K. Dobbins, RB20. Miles Sanders, RB19. Damian Pierce, RB18. Uh, the best of them, I guess you could say on a points per game basis with J.K. Dobbins on his one game. Yeah. But you have to remove him because of the games played. And then you look at the rest and the next best we've got out of those players is Alexander Madison's RB 42. We talk about the dead zone. Here's this is it. <laughs> we found it this year. It was plain as day. And I mean, that's always the struggle with drafting the guys that fall into this range. Cause especially just looking at the list, like from my personal perspective and how I evaluated these players, I always thought Damian Pierce was really overhyped and overpriced. I liked him a lot coming in. I, his, Price soared way too high going into uh, the year, especially after we saw him really, really struggle for the last three or four weeks that he played before his injury and at his season. Miles Sanders, a guy who's been kind of up and down the entire career. I still think he's pretty decent, but it was clear he wasn't what that team needed. J.K. Dobbins, I like him. Obviously, injuries, you know. Uh, it'll be, it remains to be seen if he can drafted you know, here because he was coming off an injury. Exactly. Yeah. It's the only reason he fell this far and he got hurt again. Alexander Madison guy who's been really inefficient his entire career. I hammered all season. He wasn't worth the price. Got that one right. Um, and then Cam Akers, again, a guy I've never really loved. I've always been way lower than consensus on Cam Akers. Injuries, you know, really uh, prevented him from being what he potentially could have been in the league. But again, just another guy I thought was was way overdrafted, just especially because I believed in the guys in front of him, who I know we'll talk about on the next episode, um, at least with his original team there. Um, and then when you go to Minnesota and you can't beat out like Kine <laughs> Wangwu for snaps, like I... 
You're you're on yeah. the struggle bus there, bud. Yeah. All right, let's get back to this, our order of running backs here. At RB22, we had another disappointment, Tony Pollard, uh, finishing with 11.5 points per game. He was drafted as the RB6. He got the role that we wanted, uh, didn't do it. Yeah, he his explosiveness, uh, it, it was not what we've seen in years past. How much of that is the injury that he sustained last year? I think part of it, but I also just think he's he's not the guy to hold up this type of workload. And I never really thought he was going to be. Um, I actually remember it very, very vividly that I was the lowest on the JWB team on Tony Pollard in our rank chat where we we talk about how we have guys ranked that specifically got pointed out. And I was like, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think he's that good. He's good when he's the change of pace guy, when a team is fully prepared for a guy who is just going to a Zeke, a guy who's going to run straight up and down. He's going to force his way for four yards and that's all he's ever going to give you when teams game game plan for that then that's where tony pollard can shine whereas if a team is game planning for a tony pollard they can eliminate the change of pace back if it's a rico dowdle if it's a zeke like even if it was just the same guys and the roles are flipped tony pollard as the lead back just was never going to work in my opinion and a lot of the things that made him super successful i think he just couldn't really do because of the injury yeah i do think we learned that tony pollard was a player who is not as successful when you give him that kind of workload. He can do it in a couple game spurts, as he's shown in the past, but yep. over the course of an entire season, he's not quite that type of player. Yeah, and he's a guy who kind of, like, you feel like if you have him on your team, he has to be in your lineup. And that just, yeah. it hurt a lot this year. At RB21, we've got Brian Robinson. He was drafted as RB34, 12 half PPR points per game this year. Showed some prowess in the passing game, which we weren't really sure we were going to get, especially with Antonio Gibson on the roster. But I think he showed, I mean, like I thought he was a competent pass catcher coming into the NFL, um, coming out of Alabama. But I do think he showed more than that this year. I think like he legitimately looked right. like a, a good pass catcher in the offense. We saw some stuff of him like working downfield as Sam Howell was like working outside the pocket. You know, like I wasn't expecting those kinds of things from Brian Robinson. Yeah, he – I said it on a podcast earlier this year, and I maintain it. The Brian Robinson that we saw this year pre-injury looked infinitely better than Brian Robinson ever did, ever looked on tape in college, ever looked in the previous NFL experience that he had. Like he, again, like you said, he he showed something to his game that we really weren't expecting. I mean, the dude had a 50-yard receiving touchdown. He had a 25-yard receiving <laughs> yeah. touchdown. Not on my bingo four. card. Yeah, not on my bingo card at all for him to ever do that. And he he broke off big plays at a much higher rate than I expect a, a running back of his style to do, essentially. And I get why he was drafted where he was, because like there's a thousand of us Anthony Gibson believers still out there who are gonna, <laughs> you know, he this is the year, you know, mini CMC. We're hoping for it, but you know, he 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 ended up being a great value for a lot of people. He won a lot of weeks early in the year. Obviously, the injury. Um, you know, sucked a little bit of the uh, the fun out of that for for a stretch. But I mean, the dude showed he, he's a competent NFL back, which is what I always said. He's a guy who does everything well enough that a team is going to draft him semi highly and he's going to get a role. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, my fear is next year he'll now be one of these dead zone backs. And I'm just not going to be interested at all. Yeah. Uh, at RB20, we had Kenneth Walker drafted as RB16. So, you know, a, a little bit of a disappointment. He did deal with some injuries mm -hmm. this year, kind of bouncing, like missing some games, leaving some games, ended with 12.3 points per game. But I do think that, like, he showed he's much better than Zach Charbonnet. So, like, I think anybody was worried about Charbonnet stealing some of Walker's job. I don't think that's happening. Yeah, I mean, 
again, Kenneth Walker, kind of exactly what I expected him to be. I'm not surprised he's below a certain guy uh, in this ranking that we'll talk about here in a minute. But, I mean, he, he's the guy we expect him to be. Didn't get a ton of passing work, only 29 receptions on the year. He was more efficient with his receptions this year than he was last year, so that was at least a positive for him in that aspect. But, I mean, the dude's elusive. He had the second-highest juke rate in football, third-most evaded tackles at the running back position, and that's with you know a, a lower opportunity share than a lot of running backs that are out there. So, but he, he's the, the type of guy, again, where the, the run blocking has to be near perfect. He's not going to like he struggles to find the hole sometimes. If I took a shot for every time he ran into the back of his own left guard <laughs> or, or center, uh, I may not be here to record this podcast. But, you know, he's got explosive home run ability. And that's that's the type of risk I want to take in this range versus like a plotter, like an Alexander Madison that we talked about. Like Kenneth Walker, just his skill set shows that he can be a game-changing talent things just have to line up perfectly for him versus a guy who falls into the perfect situation and just is perpetually meh he's he's a big game hunter this offense regressed compared to last year this offensive line was really bad i think that really held back the running game in general um rb19 was james cook drafted as rb29 uh uh almost universal miss for the JWB team, as we've mentioned many times across many shows at this point. He ended with 12.4 points per game. There was a period in time, though, where it was like, oh, James Cook has arrived. Like, after Ken Dorsey was let go as offensive coordinator and things changed, uh, there was that, like, three, four-week stretch where, like, James Cook, like, he was an RB1. And then it kind of came back down to earth a little bit, but still, you know, he was still performing, still getting a much larger workload than I expected for him. Yeah, I this is one of those guys where I missed and I'm okay that I missed, if that makes sense. Like the things that I was concerned about were still the exact issues that arose throughout the year. Like the usage just wasn't always there. It was there in spurts. He was, you know, he's always going to be an efficient guy just based off of his running style. But when the game goes the way that the Bills games go, they either get out to a massive lead and they just here you go somebody go carry the ball 15 times get us out of here or they have to be in an absolute shootout where josh allen is hucking it 50 times down the field so he's he's got the talent to be you know a productive guy like we saw this year but he's never a guy that i'm going to make you know a a decent sized investment in i don't even know if i draft him as the rb19 just based off the other talent that's out there like i know the upside is there but again it's just a situation where he's a smaller back he's I don't want to say old, but he's older compared to some of the guys that are out there. And his role is just so hit and miss that I can't trust it. And yes, that stretch was really, really nice. But going into that stretch of games, like before that four game, four week stretch where he's an RB one every single week, he was like RB 30 in points per game. So it's like, yeah, the four weeks were awesome. The end of season finish looks good, but it's really heavily buoyed by a four game sample size where he put up almost 100 points. I'll be really interested to see if they keep this coaching staff as is together and if they add to that backfield or or not. Mm -hmm. I think that will tell us what we need to know about James Cook for 2024. At RB18, we've got Josh Jacobs, who was drafted as RB8. Quite the disappointing year for Jacobs coming off of what was an amazing season. Had 12.5 points per game. Did miss some time. Dealt with that offense looking much worse than I'm sure they had hoped. Jimmy Garoppolo... Uh, turns out not very good when he doesn't have Kyle Shanahan running an offense for him. Who's surprised? Aiden Kyle steps in. I would say looks better than Jimmy Garoppolo, but still not that good. That bar was pretty low. Um, 
I'll, I'll just say like, I probably not drafting Josh Jacobs like at all next year, unless he's like really falling down draft boards. I'm a draft him. I still believe <laughs> this is a situation where I think, you know, sitting out most of the preseason, not having continuity with the offense. I think that definitely reflected early in the year when we just saw a whole lot of inefficiency. Uh, same kind of thing. He had some big games here and there. He had a few top five finishes, top six finishes, a lot of low in there, too. It really like his usage in the passing game would be absolutely massive one week. And then he's just not used there anymore. And it's like, that's what Josh Jacobs does really, really well. Uh, as we've learned over the past few years, he's really good out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And you would think with a bunch of trash quarterbacks playing, that they'd be like, let me just get to the guy there. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was on the field. Only four running backs had a higher snap share than him. He had the highest opportunity share in all of football. Like this is a guy who was used and it just wasn't efficient. Yeah, the run blocking was bad. That team as a whole, pretty bad. I mean. To be honest here, Devonte Adams, bright spot in the offense, which is expected. And then, like, we're we're excited that Aiden O'Connell played like as a top twenty-four quarterback for a stretch, maybe, maybe that high. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll 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 see where Josh Jacobs ends up in two thousand twenty-four. What team he's playing for? Um, I I don't know. I just uh, the the workload that's been put on him over the last couple of years. I I I don't have a ton of confidence that he's going to return value next year. But moving on to a player that universally the fantasy community loved, Bijan Robinson finishes as RB17 after being drafted as RB3. 12.8 points per game. Arthur Smith. Good riddance. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Goodbye. Get out. <laughs> hopefully, don't, show your, don't show your face here again. Yeah, hopefully 2024 means bigger and better things for Bijan Robinson. It's incredible that you could watch Bijan Robinson play look incredible in every facet and not want to give that guy more opportunities. But Arthur Smith found a way. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of the polar opposite of Josh Jacobs in that sense, because ninth highest snap share amongst running backs in football, 31st in opportunity share. <laughs> and then you look and it's like this guy, the third highest target share amongst running backs, the most routes run the second highest route participation. He was super efficient as a runner. He had the fifth most yards created in football, 12th most yards created per touch. He had, uh, you know, 15th in breakaway runs when he didn't get as many carries as half the competition there. Seventh most evaded tackles on a 52% opportunity share. Like this guy was, he was a walking highlight reel and half the time they were like, you know what we want? Cordero Patterson, <laughs> Tyler Algier, which I mean, yeah, you have to get semi-creative when you decide that Desmond Ritter is going to be your quarterback of the future, but you would think you would want to use your best pieces for that. So I'm going to draft J Bijan as a top five running back next year. And I'm not, not going to look back. This is, this yeah, is one of the, the situations. Yeah. It's just talent over situation. I don't care what the situation looks like. It can't be worse than Arthur Smith being your head coach and offensive coordinator. <laughs> At RB 16, we've got Derek Henry. He was drafted as RB seven, 13.2 points per game. Disappointing year as a whole, but did really come on down the stretch. You know, winter is coming is always true for Derek Henry. Yep. He performs his best when the weather gets cold. He helps us win championships every year. Um, you know, like I would say that this doesn't seem too unexpected. Um, I think you drafted Derrick Henry, not expecting a top five finish, but thought he's going to help me through this season. Um, what do you think next year? Where's he going? Are you drafting him? I could see him ending up in quite a few different places. I think my early front runners probably, uh, ironically enough, since we just talked about 
Jacobs. I think Las Vegas makes a lot of sense. Antonio Pierce, players coach, he you know he fits the scheme really well. He can catch catch passes, but if they keep going with this scheme, that's not a super important part of his skill set. And realistically, like the only reason that he struggled as much as he did this year is just because of how bad the Titans were. Like they didn't have an answer at quarterback. Traylon Burks, he traded AJ Brown to draft. Like that was supposed to be your guy. He's been hurt. Yeah, you you had to bring in D Hop, and like the offense was just gross all year. Run blocking was fine; it wasn't good by any means. He had the twenty fifth highest run blocking rating, so not horrible, but not great. Really, just the volume wasn't—they just didn't get out to the leads. They couldn't lean on the run game the way that they had. And, and Tyshay Spears is a super talented player in his in his own right, so he definitely ate into some of the touches throughout the year too. So. I'm still going to be in on Derrick Henry. I think this is probably more of the range that he's going to be drafted in next year as opposed to a top eight running back. So especially at that cost, I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah, I'm not going to get too creative with it. I think the Ravens makes just a ton of sense. If he goes yep. to the Ravens, uh, I don't know how high I draft him, but somewhere in RB2 range, I'll be happy. Easily. All right. RB15 this past year. Isaiah Pacheco drafted as RB30, ends up with 13.7 points per game. I would say a little bit aided by the fact that there was the Jarek McKinnon injury because he really took on a large portion of the passing game usage during that time. I like that the Chiefs actually did that. When that happened, I was wanting to see, are they going to involve CEH there more? How much are they going to give him? And they're like, nah, we know CEH is terrible. We're yeah. giving this to Isaiah Pacheco. And that was really good to see. Yeah, it, the receptions that he got really stood out to me. He almost quadrupled his target share from last year. He jumped from 13 receptions last year to 44 receptions this year while having more rushes as well, even playing in less games. Like everything went his way. He is clearly the preferred running back in this, in that offense, which makes sense because he's on a super cheap contract and they have a lot of money tied up in a lot of other positions, especially the quarterback position, but he plays the game the way that the chiefs wanted to like, he's angry at the ground. He is, pushing with every ounce of his being through the ground. Um, and realistically, like his play style, I think is going to age well because he's not relying on, on pure speed. He's super fast. We know that he dude ran a four, three forty in the combine 99th percentile for running backs. He's got good size to play the running back position. Like I was kind of out on Pacheco coming into the year. He, he was more in that fringe, kind of that dead zone range for me. Um, yeah. And I ended up with quite a few shares because of it, just because everybody attacked running back early while I was attacking wide receiver, the, the running backs that I liked, didn't fall. So then I was like, well, let's take the one that I hate the least. And that was Pacheco. And it worked out. And I think a lot of people were really happy with the production this year. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming off the board as a top, top 10, even running back next year. Yeah. Um, that's another one. I'll be really interested to see if they add to that backfield around him. Um, at RB14, we've got another ADP fallout as Aaron Jones was drafted as RB14. Just finishes out of this range as RB27. Dealt with a good amount of injuries this year, and that kind of messed that year up for him. But if you look at what he's been doing over the last month heading into the playoffs, Aaron Jones still has it. I mean, oh, yeah. he still looks very good. I think he's going to be a part of that Packers offense next year. I, I think it makes Definitely. a lot of sense for them to continue to do that. Are you drafting Aaron Jones next year? Yeah, I am. I'm not letting the injury scare me off. I watched what he he did to my Chicago Bears twice, um, especially that first game. Like in nine, what was it like an 81 yard touchdown reception against us? Um, the receiving, like he's super efficient when he when he's healthy and and can, you can get the ball in his hands. We've seen that he had what he ended the season with four straight, five straight hundred yard rushing games, something yeah. great. Like healthy Aaron Jones is still a top six running back in football. He looked very good. 
Yeah, I'm I'm still going to draft Aaron Jones. I've always been a huge Aaron Jones guy. Sure, he'll have some clunkers in there, even without injury. But, I mean, like, you know what his upside is. He's got mm-hmm. weak. He, he was running back one in week one. And even in the playoffs, I, don't, I know many of us that, don't play postseason football. He had 32.1 full PPR points. Like, the guy is just good at football. And he's on a young offense, the youngest team in football. They may just keep him around just to be the veteran in the room. Yeah, I don't. I don't care how. I don't care that he's going to be what thirty next year. (laughs) He's not. He doesn't run like a thirty-year-old. No, not at all. Our last player of the night, we're ending. He finished as RB fourteen on the year. We're ending on a player who finished RB fourteen because we've got a tie for RB twelve in the follow-up episode to this. But your guy, a player who I was definitely in on, but not quite as much as you. I know this is a player you were very famous for having over Kenneth Walker in rookie season. That's Rashad White. He was drafted as RB23, finishes as RB14 in points per game with 13.9. I know if you look at his season-long finish, it's going to be much higher than that, but that's because he actually played all 17 games, a rarity for running backs. Um, Looked incredible in the passing game. Still looked a little rough in the running game. We do know that that offensive line is not that good, and no one has really been running well uh, behind that offensive line. I do say that, like, I think he looked better as a runner this year, even though, like, the metrics maybe don't necessarily reflect that. Just, like, the eye test of watching him play, uh, I thought he looked more decisive running the ball this year, which was good for him. But incredible as a pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, his game is space, and... There's nothing wrong with being a modern NFL running back who struggles a little bit between the tackles, especially when your team is consistently in the bottom five run blocking teams in football. Like, like you said, nobody looked good. And yes, I know, you know, who else was there? Chase Edmonds, not a great runner in his own right. Sean Tucker a little bit early in the year. Yeah. And guess what? Rashad White had the highest yards per carry, which I know isn't the greatest metric, but he had the highest yards per carry on the team. And, you know, he, he definitely had the opportunity to share. The snap share was there. The receiving usage is, is really, like you said, his bread and butter. He's kind of mini Eckler in that sense, like never going to be a super efficient runner. If you give him a hole, he's, he'll hit it and he'll hit it fast. But if you get him out in space and use the, like the short passing game as an extension of the running game, which is what really elevated the bucks offense in the second half of the year was using him more just truly as a fifth receiver out of the backfield, just another option. Um, and Baker definitely took advantage of that. I think Baker's back. I don't think there's really going to be many changes to this offensive staff unless Dave Canales gets an, gets a, a head coaching job somewhere, which I personally don't think he will. So I think we're going to see a lot of continuity in this team next year. And I'm I'm going to be taking Rashad White as a top 10 running back easily, probably top eight, just because the, vo- the volume's there. Nobody in this class has the skill set that he has. So even if somebody comes in from this draft class uh, and and takes a spot on this team, they're going to be the plotter who's going to take the usage I don't want him to have anyway. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'll be drafting Rashad White as a RB1 next year. I don't think it makes sense for the Bucks to add to that backfield as someone who would threaten for touches. Like, do you want depth? Yes. But like, I don't think they need to spend high capital or a lot yeah. of money to do so. They just need to improve the depth behind him a little bit. I think it makes sense for them to run him into the ground, sort of say. Yeah, and I mean, he's 25. He's a little bit older, but this is redraft we're talking about here, baby. We got <laughs> we need one year, and he's he's stayed healthy his entire career, has never missed a game due to injury, 17 games played both of the last two years. Like This is a guy who's kind of the epitome of what the modern NFL wants in a running back, a guy who, who can run, but needs to be an extension of the passing game because we know that's where the money's made. 
yeah. But that's going to do it for this first episode, looking back at these positional finishes against the ADP. Make sure to come back and catch the second episode talking about RB12 through 1. Follow us on Twitter at JWB underscore F. F. You can follow me at YB underscore FF. You can follow Jake at Perry underscore FF. You, if you are not subscribed yet, please do so. It would mean the absolute world to us. You can find us everywhere, all your social platforms, all those things. In the description of this video, you'll also find the link to our free Discord, the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. We'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.